it's never a bad thing to be in really good shape and it's never a bad thing to be able to shoot really well. And if you combine the two into a, uh, into a, a game, then I don't see it being a bad thing, you know? Welcome to episode number 55 of the Everyday Marksman, the podcast where it is all about tactical skills for living a more adventurous life. I'm Matt. I'm Allison. And welcome. Our website is everydaymarksman.co, and there you're going to find today's show notes as well as all the rest of our articles, our podcast episodes, our awesome community of Marksman, and, and... Our YouTube channel. Our brand new YouTube channel, yes. Allison and I have been doing uh, YouTube lately, making videos and doing streaming. How have you been feeling about that? The streaming is like me recreating my musician days, getting to perform live. It's just, it's a great feeling. And I love chatting with people in the community, in the Marksman community that I don't always get to talk to. So it's been really fun. Yeah, it's an interaction. It's awesome. So if you're listening to this, definitely come check out. I know you're going to see the recordings of it now, but the next one is coming up. It's going to be next week. And December 29th, and I'm talking to Doc Larson of One Shepherd about training for kind of what it means for an everyday citizen. So definitely come check that one out. Mark your calendar, 8.30 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. Now, with that out of the way, what is the topic of the day, Allison? Today, we will be talking about the tactical games. Yes, the tactical games, uh, which is a really timely subject because we're at the tail end of a lot of articles lately about, you know, like the tactical biathlon or the arc latex multi-gun match where there's or like talking about desert brutality and woodland brutality we've talked about these things in the marksman community and it's it's really awesome to see this combination of shooting and fitness and then these two halves of it coming together so our guests guest is mike green it's his second time on the show he's the owner of green ops inc who does a lot of tactical training both around here in north virginia as well as around san antonio texas and his wife came to join us Pascal, and she sounds like somebody I would be friends with. She's a mom like me, and she's a level two CrossFit coach. And she won the intermediate level of the tactical games. So shout out to Pascal. I mean, wow, it's amazing. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. So before we get an interview, um, call it a teaser. So um, tease us here a little bit. What's the, the thing to listen for? The main takeaway here is do the tactical games. It sounds amazing. You get an amazing challenge, both with accuracy for your marksmanship and on top of that, burpees. And I heard the word upside down a few times. That intrigued me. Yeah, <laughs> I did too, going upside down. All right, let's get to the interview. Welcome back, Mike. Welcome back to Everyday Marksman. Uh, good to be back. Thank you for having me back. So uh, the reason I wanted to talk to you is because, is of course, I follow social media. So I know, I know your wife's on, so she does the social media piece of it. But I noticed you have a lot of things with tactical games. What is the tactical games in general? So the easiest way to say it is, um, you know, it's CrossFit games meets two-gun matches. You know, the stuff you would see in, in, in a tactical unit, like rope climbs carrying, you know, heavy bags or, uh, you know, water cans or something to that nature, something like a selection event, and then followed up or predicated by a firearms portion. 
originally it was designed by Tim Burke, a good friend of mine from uh, Seventh Group. And Tim came up with the concept based off of a couple things. Um, one, a unit he was in, they did these quite often. And then when he came, we were in the same unit. Uh, we had a monthly program that we did very similar to this. And then um, we also went to the counterterrorism Olympics that was held in Latin America. Um, so it was based on a combination of all those things. And it was, you know, people will complain and say it's not tactical or, I mean, the reality of it is, is that it's never a bad thing to be in really good shape and it's never a bad thing to be able to shoot really well. And if you combine the two into a, uh, into a, a game, then I don't see it being a bad thing, you know? Um, that gets into the divisions questions. What really is the, the differences between the divisions? So usually um, the differences are minor in equipment. Um, some of them are, you know, will be less restrictive in, in equipment. Um, like the carry optics um, division allows you to have optics on your firearms or your pistol. Um, but the, um, and then tactical, I think they have different standards. I think there's, um, uh, the, the, the gear and optics are geared more towards a tactical type of a person. And then the elite is more of an open type, um, you know, pretty much anything goes on the gun within certain limitations. Um, but the elites are also, um, their events are typically uh, require lifting more weight and further distances and harder obstacles typically, you know, um, there's also a master's division. I think there's two master's divisions in men. I think there's a over 40 and over 50 crew. Um, the women doesn't have, they don't have a master's division yet, but I talked to the owner and he was telling me the biggest reason they don't is just the amount of females that compete at this time. But if, if enough women show up or start showing up, which they're becoming more and more, then they may start having a master's division for the, the women also. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, Tactical Games website right now. And uh, one of the things they talk about is the different divisions is they give a physical fitness standard. Mm -hmm. okay. So as an example for the, uh, for the men's elite, a suggested physical ability is to be able to climb a rope and full kit um, and to do, um, you know, functional fitness workouts at the, uh, at the prescribed, um, um, recommended prescri prescribed rate, um, you know, be capable of, um, you know, running and performing tasks. And then I'll look at the, uh, let's see what's in one below that is, oh, so the tactical division is they recommend that you run a sub 11 minute mile in full kit or be able to run it in about nine minutes, 15 seconds slick. So it's not just, um, you know, gear and stuff like that, but they, they give suggestions also, you know, like, Hey, if you're in this physical capability. If you're in this fitness category, you might want to be able to do this or consider that. So kind of a practical question then you say full kit. So what does full kit mean in, in, in this context? Okay. So in this context, I believe it's, you know, your pistol belt, your ammo, uh, and a, uh, body armor with, uh, magazines and then your rifle, um, unless I'm mistaken, but it, it usually on the website, it gives those, uh, general descriptions. It also gives the weight requirements and, uh, the, the, um, other requirements on their website, the tactical games.com. Cool. All right. So moving on just from the kind of, what are the tactical games then? Why would someone do this? 
you know, why does anyone do anything? They, they, they see a challenge or they see something that looks fun and they decide to do it. Um, when I was a range safety officer or referee at one of these events uh, years ago, there was a gentleman that I had to run with and grade and he, uh, he owned a car garage or a mechanics garage. He decided he was going to do this thing. Right. And he, he was a large man. And the first thing they had to do was run to a rope and climb it with their body armor and their kit. And I looked at this guy and said to myself, there's no way this guy's going to climb this thing. He ran down there. He climbed that thing, came down, went to the mound. He shot from the prone and then ran and did. And then uh, when he came back, he did it again. And afterwards I commended him. I said, wow, that was, that was amazing. You know? And he goes, he goes, I lost, uh, I think he said 25, 30 pounds. And he's, he's already a big man. So I'm amazed. Like he lost weight just to climb that rope. Cause he competed, uh, in the event the year before. And to me, that was more impressive than seeing a green beret or a seal climb a rope was seeing an average man that said, I want to climb that rope and I'm going to do what it takes to do it. And he did, he trained and lost weight and, and did it. Now to me, that was it was extremely impressive, you know, to see the dedication for someone to do that. And it speaks to, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. No, impressive, impressive individuals, you know. So, I mean, I think this kind of goes in the same vein as like a GORUCK event where it's someone asked, you ask me like, why would you do that? And the answer kind of comes down to is because sometimes you just need to challenge yourself. And, and we're seeing more and more of that. So you're seeing um, like, I think at the higher end levels, what I'm seeing there is, you know, the person that's in really good shape and they know a little bit about guns and they go, you know what, I want to try this. And they learn more about gun safety and shooting. And then they get out there and compete and they do better than they thought they would because they're in physically great shape. And then on the other spectrum, you have some really good shooting competitors out there in the civilian competition world that aren't that physically um, in shape and they go, you know what, I want to try this. And they start running and doing CrossFit or something of that nature. And then they jump in and they find that they did even better than they anticipated because they're really good shooters. Um, there were plenty of people we met out there that were average Joes, average people, um, that competed, you know, moms, we, you know, met plenty of of, you know, ladies that were there that were like, yeah, you know, I told my husband I wanted to do this and, uh, you know, I did it. My wife said she wanted to compete and I said, all right. So my wife competed in, uh, what you, you competed in? Women intermediate. She competed in women's intermediate. Now she wants to compete in the elite um, because she won the women's intermediate when she uh, worked that, uh, did that one. So. So now that we've gone through what is the tactical games and you know why someone might want to do this, I guess the next question in my mind is, what are some tips for helping someone prepare? Like, what did you what did you go through or what have you learned that makes you think you can next time better prepare for the next event? I, I think personally for us, some of the things that we learned, um, I'll give suggestions to the average person, but I think for us it was one know the events. So, um, know how to lift the items that you're lifting. So for example, if you're lifting a heavy sandbag, don't think that you can just pick up a, a regular sandbag. I mean, what was the heaviest weight? 150? One? Yeah. 150 for the elite. So that was a unique position to be in. Right. Or what are some lessons you learned? Need to practice more shooting at a long distance for sure. 
because we don't practice that very much. Because I'm so used to like USPSA matches, used to like drawing fast, shooting fast, as fast as I can. And that's totally the opposite of the tactical games. It's more accuracy. I mean, you still have to be fast, but not at shooting because it's very, you have to be accurate. And the distances are like longer than I expected. Like we were at some point, we were shooting at like what, 300, 400 yards with the rifle. Yeah. Definitely get better gear, practice more, get more time on the range. And as far as workouts, I think just keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, yeah. When she says better gear, one of the things that she was doing, the body armor was rubbing her in training the wrong way. So she knew she needed a better, better kit. Right. Yeah. So she got after the games, got a different, different spot, set of body armor, you know? Um, but I mean, in general, I mean, most everything that we have, because we're kind of, you know, tactical nerds here, you know, we've, we've got most, uh, everything we need. And, and, and then the gun, you know, the gun is like, we've got a Sons of Liberty gun carbine, you know, and that thing is just, I mean, it's, it's accurate as all get out, you know, um, and it functioned incredibly, it was incredibly reliable. Um, so we saw folks with guns that they had issues or problems, you know, mm. So, um, um, but the other thing that we were good at, like we zeroed our guns, we knew our point of aim, point of impact. Um, so that was an issue, but I could see, matter of fact, there were people that we met that had those issues out there, you know, like, Oh, I was like, they were completely off. Like I didn't remember like saying they didn't realize the height over or the distance, Mm -hmm. you know, so they were completely missing the target because you're aiming at a small target. So at a hundred yards, if you're aiming at a three by five card, with a rifle. Well, that's nothing, right? Well, you add on top of that, that you just ran a mile or something like that. And then you're, you weren't set up for pinpoint accuracy, you know? Um, the other thing that we practiced, um, was, you know, like the transition, like when you go from your rifle to picking up something big, how do you, what's the way your sling management I think is underrated. You know, people don't really think about those things. Um, and um, I think that we were definitely, you know, ahead of the game in regards to that because she had uh, practiced that, you know, and it's easy enough to do a workout in the garage and then just sling your rifle in between, you know, picking up something heavy and then going into snapping into position or something like okay. that. Actually, I want to dig into that one because like, that's, like, that's a great point. I hadn't even thought about sling management. So when we're talking about sling management, I'm assuming most people have something like the you know, the Vickers with the adjustable or the Magpul MS1 or something. So does it, you sling it to the front or would you sling it behind you? Or like how, how would you sling that? Uh, generally, if you can, the best thing to do is sling it to your back, you know, um, because now it's out of your way. You can climb and do everything you need to do, but there may be some occasions. Did you ever have to sling it to your front for anything? No, I held it with uh, Yeah. But no, just in general, you know, going to your back, but, you know, a lot of people will, you know, take it off. They'll take forever. It's literally like you want to swim into that to go to the next transition point of picking something up or, or, or getting ready to climb that rope. You know, let's say somebody's using this as a way to kind of dual prepare themselves, like both tactical training and fitness seat. Do you think there's a practical balance between setting up your gear to optimize for the games versus how you would otherwise set it up for like a, a real world situation. Um, yes and no. So for example, when I shoot USPSA, 
I have a different holster. Uh, my mags are set up slightly different. Uh, but when I have my tactical type gear on, uh, a retention holster, and you know, I have my magazines in there a lot tighter, and then they're a little bit moved over because now on USPSA, I don't, I'm not shooting, I'm shooting pistol. Whereas in, you know, my tactical kit, I've got like an M4 magazine on the belt also. But at the same time, you know, I've used lessons learned from competition to help me set my gear up for my tactical side that, okay, if I wanted to shoot a, a competition with my tactical gear, I could theoretically do it because everything is in a position where I can get to it quickly. Whereas in the past, before I started shooting competition, you know, I'd have everything tightened down and Velcroed. So it would take 10 minutes to get to a mag or something like that because you didn't want to lose it. There's that balance, you know. So one of my mags on my tactical vest, I don't have it secured with Velcro or anything like that. That's my go-to mag. If I lose it, well, then I've got another one next to it that's Velcroed down. And then that's just from experience using competition to help me out for the tactical side. So um, something that stood out to me, you mentioned training in your gear. So this is something that I think a lot of people forget is that they buy the shiny new stuff. They put their pouches on it and then they never take it unless they go to the occasional training class, move in it and see, is it going to rub us the friction points or anything like that? So I think that's an extremely important thing to do. You know, us testing it out was, you know, the, those, you know, old military and special forces techniques, PCIs, pre-combat check inspections, you know, you know, we tested all the gear, you know, had her stand in her gear and then jump up and down and just start looking for things that are loose. And then, hey, OK, let's start working out with it. You know, you mentioned the pre-combat inspection, the PCI, like you're doing that for the gear and preparing. What other kind of stuff would there be for like someone who's just trying to do a shakeout? You will at some point be upside down, probably. The biggest thing, obviously, is making sure that the magazines, they're not going to fall out. So I would say making sure your, your, your magazines and, and your firearm, you know, is obviously it's going to be in a retention device holster too. Um, that your, um, your sling is set up to the point where you can jump up, do burpees basically with a slung rifle. A lot of folks, they overlook that and they think, oh, it's on tight enough and they've never done a burpee with it. And then the first thing that happens when they go to do the burpee is they get hit in the back of the head with the butt of the gun, you know. Um, so it has to be tight enough that they're not going to injure themselves when they do something like that. I feel like in the last couple of months, I'd emailed you a question just about rifle configuration. Cause I was noticing that on a lot of the pictures I was seeing from the, from the games, there was magnifier with red dot, which yes. for all intents and purposes felt like that was like, that's passe. We're talking 15 years ago where everybody now is on the LPVO with, with offset red dot. Why was the prevalence there? Or like, basically, how would you configure a rifle for this? So um, some folks are just really used to the red dot. And so the magnifier is a transition for them um, and they get, they feel comfortable with that. But I would tell you my personal preference for the games would be a uh, LPVO. Uh, my wife used a magnifier because she didn't have the training behind the LPVO before she went. And I think that would have been setting her up for failure. Because, you know, you're, you're, you're not just coming up standing, you know, you're shooting around obstacles, maybe through ports. And if you don't, you know, how to get your proper cheek well at a candid angle through a port, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. 
So I, I just made the suggestion of just go with what we have right now. Uh, we don't really have the opportunity or time to go out and re-zero everything. So um, I would say that uh, the LPVO is the way to go. All right, Mike, I know we were about to run out of time. So I, I asked you this question last time. I want to see if your answer is different this time. But what is something you wish people would stop doing? I don't remember that question. Let's see. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I tell you what, I wish people would stop doing. I don't know if it's still the same. Um, but you know, I really don't like is the, uh, people that are saying, you know what, that guy is a former green beret and he shouldn't be training civilians or that guy is a competitive shooter and he shouldn't be training, um, tactical stuff or, you know, I mean, let, let's face it. People are trying to train and depends on what you're going to that person for, you know, um, you know, I can learn a ton from a, um, um, uh, an Ipsy grandmaster as far as shooting skills go. I'm not going to ask him, Hey, how do I clear a room or do CQB or, you know, fight with a knife or something like that. But I, I'm, I'm sure I can learn a ton from them when it comes to, you know, pulling the trigger faster and getting a better shot group faster, you know, speed and accuracy. But at the same time, you know, people always make the assumption about all oh, special forces guys. They don't know what it's like to be a civilian carrying without backup. Well, guess what? Plenty of times, you know, when I was in special forces, we were sent to faraway lands without any backup. And the only thing we had was a pistol stuck in our pants, you know? So, um, yeah. And from the last time we talked, I mean, you you told me some stories about that, like just you deep, deep concealment. And then not a lot of people around. All right. Um, If anyone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? I'd say our main website, which is www.green-ops.com. We're also on Instagram as green ops inc and then we're on facebook green ops inc and then i think our youtube's green op inc green ops inc yeah well mike it's been a pleasure talking to you again uh i appreciate you taking the time oh definitely hey thanks for having us on and it was good talking with you nice talking to you All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mike and Pascal. Allison, what did you think? I thought it was a great interview. Yeah. So let's talk about some key takeaways from this one. There was a lot of big things there, but I want to get your take uh, to kind of wrap it up. I want to give me, give me your top two. For me, my two main takeaways is that the tactical games can bring someone from either end who is maybe someone who's interested in fitness and they're in pretty good shape, but they're not so much into shooting, but they want to do the tactical games. So they have to start practicing shooting. Or on the other hand, it can bring somebody who's already into shooting and pretty good at shooting, but needs to up their fitness game. And I thought that was a really good point that you end up being really good at both, which is the point that he said, if you're a good shooter and you're in good shape, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I agree with that one. I think for me, one of the big takeaways too was about gear 
and the importance of making sure that it fits. And then you do the whole pre-combat inspection thing where you wear it, you jump around in it, you work out in it, uh, look for those friction points and rubbing points, shake it out to see to see if anything's going to fall out on you, especially when you go upside down. I think that applies not just the tactical games, but probably your kit in general, uh, whether you're going to a training class or getting involved in the Boog, um, you want yourself to fit right. That was actually my second takeaway as well. Practicing in your gear. I think that was a very good point. Cool. All right. And I think besides that, I think the last one for me would probably be something along the lines of just don't worry about having the best stuff in the world. Just show up and go for it and have fun. Um, you never know what you can run into until you actually go try it. Also a great point. So when are you signing up? <laughs> I don't know. We got to see when this one going on, but there is a Woodland Brutality in West Virginia uh, in spring next year. So maybe I could try something like that for this one. I don't know. What do you think? Absolutely. <laughs> you, heard, you, you heard it. That's permission. That's permission for another competition. All right. I'm not your mother. You don't need my permission. <laughs> you heard it here. Correct. All right. Well, Allison, I'm glad you got to join me today. I had a great time. And thank you for listening. As a reminder, our website is everydaymarksman.co and you'll find today's show notes as well as our YouTube channel come out for next week's stream. And hey, while you're at the website, hit that big fat subscribe button and join the mailing list. Uh, through that, you also get access to our Discord server and you get to hang out with our awesome community of marksmen. Well, that's going to be it for me. So thank you and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.